This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a TGIF wake-up call, the 25th day of June 2021. It is a uh, kind of a gray day here in the Northeast, but it's supposed to clear up. It's going to be a muggy weekend, uh, temperatures in the 90s here in the Northeast, so yippee. Uh, lots to get to this morning of some, uh, a record, uh, setting no hitter last night in major league baseball, believe it or not, another no hitter, despite the fact, by the way, no more sticky substance. So, uh, I guess people thought that pitching was going to go by the wayside, but a couple of great pitching performances in major league baseball yesterday. So we'll get to that, uh, in a minute. I, I woke up this morning. Of course we saw it yesterday, uh, morning and, uh, watched it again this morning on the today show, just that, that horrific horrific uh condo complex collapse uh down in the miami beach area it's just uh heartbreaking and and you know it it just it kind of harkened back i mean obviously it's not the same thing because it's not a terrorist attack but you know you think back to when watching a building collapse like that was the last time we saw it well yeah it was you know when we saw the uh uh, the Twin Towers collapse in New York. Obviously, that was a lot bigger, but it's one of those things where that's the first thing I thought of. You know, you're just watching the thing just kind of pancake down and still 159 people unaccounted for. I saw yesterday they rescued a little 10-year-old kid uh, out of there who had been, his hand had been waving in the in the rubble and they, they found him and uh, just, oh God, your, your heart breaks. Uh, and, you know, those people that, and it was caught the, uh, what happened was caught on a surveillance camera, I guess, from another building and saw that. And you just, how the hell is anybody going to survive out of that? It's just, uh, just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Uh, so hopefully uh, they still are able to find a few people. But with 159 missing, uh, we're getting to a point where it's, uh, you know, no longer going to be a rescue operation. It's going to be recovery. Uh, but, you know, they're still hoping they may find a few uh, air pockets where some people are still alive, you know, somehow. So, uh, I, I got, I hope so. I hope so. You know, so, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's the number one thing that everybody is on everybody's lips this morning. It's just awful. The other thing that in the news this morning, before we get to sports, um, the report came out yesterday, um, that, and this look, you know, there's no surprise here that they said that the majority of the deaths going on right now uh, are by people that are unvaccinated, you know, and look, they, they were saying from the very beginning that uh, uh, these vaccines were, you know, 90, 95% effective. Well, we've got some numbers now uh, through the month of May in the month of May, there were, uh, 853,000 hospitalizations. Um, 
fully vaccinated people only accounted for about 1,200 of those. That's 0.1%. Only 150 of the 18,000 deaths from COVID-19 in May were in fully vaccinated people. That's 0.8%. So what it tells you is that the vaccine works. And yet we still have people, large numbers of people, and you know, obviously we all have uh, some folks we know that, that don't want to get the vaccine, and, and it is your right. But why do you take this, you know, uh, this risk? You know, I mean, and, and, you know, when it's preventable. You know, we're up to 63%, they say, of uh, vaccine-eligible Americans that have gotten at least one dose. 53% fully vaccinated. About 63% have gotten at least one dose, and that's people uh, 12 years old or older. Uh, Arkansas has one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country, only about 33% of the population. Guess what? Hospitalization and deaths are going up exponentially in Arkansas. Uh, yet then you look at, uh, you know, and, and, and you look at St. Louis, 90% of the people that are in the hospital with the COVID have not been vaccinated. You know, what, what else is it going to take for people to understand that this is the right thing to do you know and of course they they bring up now well you know with a couple of the moderna and the the pfizer vaccines well you know it, it's causing some heart inflammation well yeah okay but it you know a hundred out of a million you know it's the the, the numbers are so small <clears throat> and by the way they're considered mild cases but, but it happens but the numbers are the, the percentages are so small it's like why why would you not get it it just makes no sense no sense 95% of, by the way, I live in one of the safest places in the, in the, in the world. 95% of people over the age of 65 in the state of Connecticut are vaccinated. Uh, 85% of those uh, between 55 and 65 are vaccinated. And overall, we are in, uh, when you take into account 12 years and up, uh, we are at about 75% here in the state of Connecticut. And, and that will go up when the, uh, you know, the younger population gets their second shots. But, I mean, and it's like that all through New England. And yet we still have people dying across this country from, from the COVID, and it's pre- preventable. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, you know, I'm all for, you know, uh, freedom of expression and freedom to do what you want to do. Uh, you know, it's your body. I get all that, but man, it's, it, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't, you know, if that's like, you know, there's a, you know, it's not, I guess you could call it a plague. There's a plague going around the world and you have a chance to, you know, almost guarantee you're not going to die from it. And yet you still refuse to get the vaccine. Please explain that to me. I, you know, I, I have a hard time with it. All right, uh, enough uh, gloom and doom. But again, you know, just uh, thinking about those folks down in Florida, I just I can't get that out of my mind. I can't get those images out of my mind. Um, so uh, let's get to sports. And uh, the Travelers Championship Golf Tournament, of course, here in the state of Connecticut, uh, teed off in Cromwell yesterday. Um, and all the big names, five of the top ten golfers in the world are in this tournament. And yet you you have all the guys at the top of the leaderboard, you're going, Who? Uh, the two leaders are at seven under par, shot 63s yesterday. Who are they? Uh, Satoshi Kodaira. He's ranked 249th in the world. 
and Kramer Hickok, who was ranked 331st in the world. You couldn't pick these guys out of a lineup. Uh, third, uh, Taylor Gooch. Now, that's a name that you might have heard every once in a while, but he's still, this is a guy that's 70th in the world. He's, he's a shot back. Uh, a kid by the name of Maverick McNeely, who's 109th in the world, is next. And then uh, Bryce Garnett, who is 262nd in the world. Bo Hostler is 394th. Th- this is our leaderboard, folks. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson. And they're, look, they all shot under par. But they're, you know, six back. Mickelson was one under. Uh, Dustin Johnson's actually even par. He's tied for 79th. Uh, Kepka is is one under par. Uh, same with uh, Bryson DeChambeau. So uh, it is a rainy morning. It should be, uh, for the folks going off early, the greens are going to be wet. They're going to be very receptive. So they're going to be able to shoot at some pins. Uh, I would not be surprised to see a score lower than a 63 this morning. Uh, matter of fact, uh, one of the leaders yesterday was actually at eight under par at one point. I think it was uh, Hickok was eight under par, and then he, he bogeyed the eighth hole uh, and ended up uh, seven. But uh, there are going to be some scores out there today. I think this weather is going to uh, allow some pretty low scores. So, uh, And the cut is probably going to be under par. You know, uh, you heard Sam Doster yesterday said that it's, you know, that's very common. Uh, and it's, you know, the top, it's usually the top, what, 70 in ties. So we are probably going to see the cut being somewhere around uh, three under par, I'm, I'm guessing. So you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to shoot, a, you know, you're going to have to shoot a number today. You're going to have to shoot in the 60s uh, to guarantee that you're around for the weekend if you had a decent first round. So, uh, all right, uh, baseball yesterday. This is a hard one to swallow. The Red Sox lose yesterday to Tampa, one nothing, and it's frustrating for two for a couple of reasons. Number one, you finally get a great pitching performance. Nick Pavetta yesterday, six and two thirds innings of no hit baseball. The rest of the bullpen does a great job, um, but the Red Sox threw this game away, literally. Uh, you know, Manuel Margot singles in the ninth inning. Steals second base, and on the throw that Christian Vasquez makes to try to get him stealing, it hops in front of Xander Bogarts. He can't make the scoop. It goes into center field. Margot gets up, runs to third base. So now he's on third base with two outs. Then Matt Barnes bounces one 10 feet in front of the plate, gets away from Vasquez. Margot comes home from third and they win the game. So a single with two outs, you give them a stolen base, an error, a wild pitch, game over, Sox lose, and you waste an absolutely brilliant pitching performance by this Red Sox team that has had damn few of those in the last few weeks. Um, and that's not the only mistake. You know, And it, Hunter Renfro gets thrown out last night, and this is a guy who is supposed to be a very good base runner. Well, he tries to score from second base on a single, and he didn't get a good jump off of second base. And then he slowed down, hesitated, rounding third base. At that point, they should he should have just put the brakes on. So, But he tries to score, gets thrown out at the plate, 
Christian Vasquez, who had the single, does the smart thing. He goes to second base on the throw. Well, then what happens? One pitch later, Vasquez gets picked off as second base. So you get a guy thrown out at home and a guy thrown out at second base in the same damn inning. you got to be kidding me. I mean, it's just dumb. You know, uh, Nick Pavetta allowed two walks, a hit batter, and one other ba- base runner got on on an error by uh, Michael Chavis, who was playing first base last night. Uh, it's just one of those that's going to leave a, a bad taste in your mouth. Or or as uh, Matt Corey put it in his uh, Sox Outsider blog this morning, uh, a bad smell. Bad taste, bad smell, same thing. It's one of those games, the Red Sox, they needed that game last night. And look, there's still, what, they've played uh, uh, 70-something games. They've played uh, 75 games, okay? We still have uh, 87 games to go. So, you know, at the, it's not the end of the world, but it's a game where a playoff-type game where – The teams are scrapping and clawing for everything they can get, and the Red Sox just continue to make mistakes until they finally piss the game away. You know, there's no other way to put it, folks. You know, Tampa had two hits the entire game, and they won. Now, the Red Sox didn't do a lot better. They only had four hits. Uh, Michael Walker was great for five innings. He only allowed one hit, and then the rest of that raised bullpen, as they do, they keep running out guys that you have no idea who these people are, and yet they continue to get outs. But Josh Taylor with another scoreless performance. Uh, Alex Cora brought Darwin's and Hernandez in for the uh, eighth inning. He struggled, got him out of there. They bring out him out of Vino in. He gets out of trouble in the eighth. Barnes, you know, got himself in a little bit of trouble with the single, but again, the Red Sox with two huge errors. The run against Barnes is unearned, but who cares? It's a game that the Red Sox should have at least been able to take into the 10th inning. I mean, that's, you know, and then with the runner starting at second base, you you at least give yourself a chance. So just brutal, absolutely brutal. Uh, But as you know, the one thing with Pavetta, you know, we have seen – Guy after guy after guy struggle, and Pavetta is one of them. He had not been very good his last several times out, you know. So to see him bounce back last night was huge, especially in light of what's going on with uh, the whole sticky substance thing. And, you know, what does it show me? It shows me that Nick Pavetta it wasn't using it. He's pitching the same way he always had. Um, his previous six starts, he had an ERA of six. And he'd struck out 44 guys, but he'd been giving up home runs at a prodigious rate. You know, and last night he averaged about 96 miles an hour on his fastball. Uh, that's the highest outing in a start in his career. So, you know, that's great news. Hopefully he can build on that. But, boy, you know, you hate to see games like that wasted. Uh, one other note on the Red Sox, they, the reason Michael Chavis was playing first base last night uh, was that the Red Sox finally put Christian Arroyo on the injured list with that uh, contusion on his shin slash knee. It's just below the kneecap. And uh, they didn't think they were going to have to do it, but he's been limping around and really not showing any progress. So they decided to put him on the IL. You bring up Chavis and, and hope that, uh, you know, he can contribute a little bit. He had been hitting down in AAA. And, of course, what, is, what does Alex Cora do? Puts him at the top of the lineup. A guy who's, you know, 
not an on-base guy. We we're going to continue to do this. I mean, Alex Cora, and look, I don't I don't find any fault with the way he managed the game last night. But again, we continue to have this argument um, about who should be hitting at the top of the lineup, and he continues to hit guys that don't get on base. Just it's nuts. So the Red Sox nearly had a no-hitter. And by the way, I had no issue with Alex Cora taking Nick Pavetta out last night in the seventh inning with two outs. Nick Pavetta didn't have any issue with Alex Cora taking him out at that point of the game last night. Look, he had thrown 100 pitches with two outs in the seventh inning. Even if Alex Cora lets him get out of that seventh inning, he's not going to let him finish the game and try to get a no-hitter. He's at 100 pitches. He would have had to throw... 130 pitches at least to get through nine. This day and age, they are not going to let pitchers do that. And, by the way, we're 75 games in. There's no reason to do that. None. You know, and I saw, you know, on social media last night, people losing their minds. How can you take them? I mean, it's just, folks, he was at 100 pitches. A guy who had had an ERA of six in his previous six starts, you need to get him out of that game when they did. you know. And Pavetta said the same thing. He said, it's not about me, it's about the team. We got one of the best left-handers in the game right now in the bullpen, and that's who Alex Cora went to and Josh Taylor. You know, Josh Taylor continues to amaze me. Uh, and so Pavetta was like, it was absolutely the right thing to do. And if Nick Pavetta thinks it's okay, everybody else just needs to pipe down. But they're not letting guys throw 130, 140 pitches these days. They're just not going to. So I have no issue with that. So we nearly have a no-hitter in Boston. And then we end up with a no-hitter in Los Angeles as the Chicago Cubs no-hit the Los Angeles Dodgers. How about that? Now, it was a combined no-hitter. Uh, Zach Davies pitched the first six innings, walked five guys, but he didn't allow any hits. He struck out four, walked five in six no-hit innings. They get him out. Uh, Ryan DePera, Andrew Chafin, Craig Kimball pitched the final three innings. Each one of them walked the guy. The Dodgers got eight walks last night. Eight! Uh, but not a hit. And the Cubs tie the Major League Baseball record the seventh no-hitter in baseball this year. It's uh, uh, amazing. The actual the record is eight, and that was in, uh, uh, God, in the 1800s, I think, when uh, uh, 1884, when overhand pitching, by the way, was first still out. Think about this. You know, it never used to be overhand pitching in baseball when it first started. How about that? Uh, so the record is eight. The modern day record is is uh, is seven. That was the 312th no hitter in baseball history. And the first combined one in a few a couple of years. The last combined one was back in uh, 2019. And by the way, we could have had an eighth one this year if Major League Baseball counted the seven inning no hitter that Madison Bumgarner threw uh, in a doubleheader game on April 25th, uh, but they didn't. Uh, they don't. It has to be nine innings for it to count as a no hitter. You know, uh, you know, they have these rules, you know, I don't know why, but for instance, I don't think you can get credit for a no hitter. If you give up a run, even if it's a no hitter, Uh, you know, like you can't lose a game one, nothing and still get credit for a no hitter. Uh, but, uh, so 
good for the Cubs. The Dodgers continue to try to figure this out. They are everybody in Los Angeles keeps waiting for them to catch fire. And uh, now they are in a flat-footed tie with the San Diego Padres in second place in the NL West behind the San Francisco Giants who were idle yesterday. The Giants 22 games over 500, but the Dodgers now 44 and 31. And you know what was cool about this no-hitter last night? So these parade of relievers are coming in from the the bullpen. Craig Kimbrell pitched the ninth inning. Uh, he walked the first guy he faced and then struck out three guys in a row. He struck out uh, Cody Bellinger, Albert Pujols, uh, and Will Smith to finish the game. He had no And he couldn't figure out why everybody's going nuts. He, they had no idea it was a no-hitter. Why? Because where the bullpen is located in uh, Dodger Stadium, the visiting team, they can see like part of the scoreboard. They can see like the batting averages and stuff like that, but they can't see the the section on runs, hits, and errors. So they had no idea that a, that a hit hadn't been done in this game. So all three of those guys that came in were absolutely clueless. Uh, Ryan Tapera, who was the first reliever, uh, in the game, came running over to Kimbrell and kind of said, whispered in his ear, said, you have no idea why everybody's excited, do you? And then when Kimbrell found out, obviously he was pretty excited. Uh, it was the 17th no-hitter in Cubs history. And uh, the Cubs, Javi Baez uh, pretty much uh, did everything the Cubs needed yesterday with a uh, home run, his 17th of the year in the first inning off of Walker Bueller. Uh, Wilson Contreras hit his 13th later, but uh, Javi Baez did the, had the only run they needed. Uh, the Cubs end up with uh, four runs on eight hits, and the Dodgers uh, go down to defeat. So pretty cool to watch that last night. Um, got lots of other stuff to talk about. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. I want to uh, just take a second to thank uh, everybody that reached out to me yesterday. Wish me happy birthday. So almost a full-time job yesterday, uh, making sure I thanked everybody. But uh, certainly do appreciate it. I certainly do appreciate those of you that have been uh, checking out our podcast. Um, numbers are up a lot. I, I, you know, I don't know why people like listening to me, but uh, I appreciate it. Um, as uh, we continue to roll along into our fourth year doing this. Uh, you know, it started out as I thought it was be kind of a fun idea. And then, you know, you, you start doing it and you realize, man, I got to do this every day. You know, I know I take a day off every now and then, but it's, it's good to be king. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, it, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, by the way, I'm getting encouraged to go back to doing the two-hour show I used to do uh, we used to start at uh, eight o'clock in the morning, go eight to 10. I'm contemplating it. I just don't, I've gotten so used to sleeping in, you know, I used to get up at five 30 in the morning so I could start the show at eight o'clock. Now getting that extra hour of sleep has been a beautiful thing. I don't know if I want to do it. I, I went back to the one hour during the pandemic when sports, there wasn't a lot of sports going on. So there wasn't much to talk about. Um, but, uh, I just, I, man, I've gotten so used to sleeping in. I don't know if I want to go back to it, but we're considering it. So we'll, uh, uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, ba other baseball from yesterday, the Yankees win. I was hoping that the Kansas City Royals would deliver me a birthday present and beat the Yankees yesterday, and they laid an egg. So that did not happen. I mean, I should have known with Brad Keller getting the start for Kansas City, came in with an ERA over six, probably wasn't going to go well. Keller lasted five innings, gave up nine hits and four runs, and 
the Yankee bats were hot yesterday. Aaron Judge with his 16th. Luke Voigt hit his third. Uh, Gary Sanchez hit his 13th of the year. Sanchez is heating up. He's got his batting average up to 240. If he keeps that up, I may not be able to kill the guy anymore. Giancarlo Stanton with uh, three more hits yesterday. I mean, the Yankees with eight runs on 13 hits. Uh, and uh, they have now won seven of their last nine. Uh, and this is the first time they've actually kind of had a breather. Um, this was the first time that uh, they've won a blowout since May the 22nd. I mean, they have played a lot of tight games lately. But if you're the Boston Red Sox and the Red Sox are playing the Yankees starting tonight, a three-game weekend series, and after losing two of three in Tampa, coming back for some home cooking, the Red Sox need to win this series. Look, they swept the Yankees in New York. So you know the Yankees are coming in looking for some payback. The Yankees owned the Red Sox last year. Now, this isn't necessarily the same Yankee team, although it's getting there because they're getting healthy. Um, But this pitching staff is gettable. So this is a huge series for Boston tonight. But the Red Sox have to be a little nervous. The Yankees have hit 29 home runs in their last 14 games. 11 of them in the last, uh, they had 11 in the previous 14 games. So they've averaged less than one a game until this most recent stretch when they're averaging over two a game. And if you're the Red Sox who have had, had some pitching issues, you got to be nervous about, about this. Uh, Domingo Herman is going to get the start for the Yankees tonight. He's four and four with a four, one, seven ERA Martin Perez, who has just been awful his last couple of starts for the Red Sox uh you look at his numbers he's five and four with a four three two you say that's not so bad well you know the problem is is that his numbers were inflated uh with a incredible April and first part of May he was so good well he has been that bad lately so a uh, huge series tonight. and the Red Sox get a little bit of a boost tonight hopefully should be a big crown tonight it is uh, the night that they are going to honor Dustin Pedroia, the longtime Red Sox second baseman uh, who had to retire because of uh, the chronic knee issues that he's had, you know, several surgeries that just never got any better. Uh, A guy who is a former most valuable player in the American League, a guy who was kind of the spark plug for that team for so long. Um, A lot of people wonder if he's a Hall of Famer. I still don't think he is. Uh, I think he is in the Hall of Very Good, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But he's close. But he'll be back at Fenway uh, tonight to be honored, and uh, they're going to have a ceremony starting at 6.30 tonight, which will be available on Nesson if you get that. Um, So hopefully the Red Sox can use the emotion of uh, PD being back in town uh, to get game one in this series and get it off to a good start. And hopefully that pumps up Martin Perez because uh, uh, they need to turn things around. Uh, one other thing that's kind of cool, and I'm actually going to go to the post office today and buy these. The U.S. Postal Service has just put out a stamp honoring Yogi Berra. Uh, it is one of those forever stamps. It costs 55 cents, uh, but it's a picture of uh, him, uh, and it says USA Baseball All-Star Yogi Berra, and it says uh, forever underneath it because that's obviously the uh, – uh, the forever stamp, but it's pretty cool. They unveiled the design of it uh, yesterday, 
uh, at the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center in Little Falls, New Jersey, and it's uh, being sold at post offices nationwide. And I'm not a Yankee fan, but I was a Yogi Berra fan, you know. And and of course, I remember Yogi after his playing days. I'm not I'm old, but I'm not that old. Uh, but I you know he was just like a, a great ambassador for baseball, kind of a goofy dude. Um, you know, uh, managed for a number of years. People remember him from the, uh, remember the Miller Lite commercials that he was in. And, uh, so he was kind of a, uh, uh an American treasure. So, uh, I, I'm going to head out to the post office today and, uh, and get, uh, some of those, uh, to put into my collection, my memorabilia collection. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays also kept pace with the uh, Red Sox and the Yankees and the uh, the Blue Jays picking up their fifth win of the season yesterday. They beat the Baltimore Orioles, which is not necessarily uh, any great accomplishment. They beat them 9 nothing. It was the 20th straight road loss for the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles have lost 14 of their last 15 overall. Baltimore is now 23-52. and 52. I mean, how would you like to be an Oriole fan? You haven't even reached the All-Star break yet, and you're already 21 and a half games out of first place. Nobody had any illusions. Well, maybe they did. Maybe when the season started and Baltimore swept the Boston Red Sox. Remember that? It seems like another lifetime ago. Um, But yesterday, uh, uh, the Jays just thumped them. And as I said, it was the fifth straight win, which is the uh, season high winning streak for them. Then they had just lost five in a row, so to come back and uh, uh, and win the next five, it, le- it le- at least keeps them in the hunt. They're thirty eight and thirty five. They're five and a half back of Tampa, uh, a game and a half behind the Yankees, who sit in third place. But uh, uh, showing some signs of life. Uh, Lourdes Goriel Jr. a grand slam home run in a six run first inning. That was all they needed. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. added it his league-leading 24th home run of the year, just for good measure. Vlad's hitting 338. 338. He still leads the American League uh, uh, voting in the All-Star uh, balloting. Uh, that ended yesterday. The first round of the All-Star balloting ended yesterday. So uh, round number two is up now. The top uh, three in each position, top three vote-getters in each position, and the top nine outfielders all advance to the second round of voting, and they reset uh, the vote. So even though Vlad Jr. won it, or was leading in Phase One, we'll see what happens in Phase Two. As far as Red Sox players go, uh, J.D. Martinez still in the mix, Xander Bogarts, Rafi Devers, and Alex Verdugo. So the Red Sox have uh, an opportunity to get four All Stars. Perhaps I don't think they will, but you know who knows if they get themselves back in the first place, perhaps they can keep that momentum going. But uh, uh, the second game of the series between the Orioles and the Jays tonight. Matt Harvey is going to get the start for Baltimore. Of course, Matt Harvey from uh, Groton, Connecticut, Fitch High School, has been struggling mightily. His last nine starts, Matt Harvey is 0-8 with an ERA of 11.49. The fact that somebody that is in their last nine starts is 0-8 with 11.49 and is still getting a start in Major League Baseball tells you why the Baltimore (laughs) Orioles are as bad as they are. Uh, rookie Alex Manoa will get the start for uh, Toronto tonight. Manoa is 1-0 with a 4-1-8 ERA. Uh, speaking of hot teams, there's nobody any hotter right now 
than the Houston Astros. The Astros win their 11th straight game of the season last night. Uh, they beat the Detroit Tigers 12-3. to uh, They are uh, now 19 games over 500. they They've got a two-game lead over the Oakland Athletics. Uh, just uh, unbelievable. Carlos Correa last night, four hits. He went, uh, excuse me, three hits, and he walked twice, uh, drove in three runs, uh, Miles Straw, the leadoff hitter, had uh, four hits. Why can't the Red Sox have a leadoff hitter that can get four hits? That'd be beautiful. Uh, Michael Brantley with a couple of hits. Uh, Alvarez, uh, Jordan Alvarez, drove in five. He hit his 12th home run of the season. I mean, it was just uh, from start to finish uh, a dominated performance by the Astros. Luis Garcia won his fourth straight start, straight start uh, allowed two runs and seven hits over six innings, and then uh, easy mop-up for the bullpen after that. But a great performance by the Astros yesterday. The Athletics keep pace. Uh, they beat the Texas Rangers yesterday 5-1. to one. Chris Bassett got the start for the A's, won his eighth straight decision. Um, he, uh, when was his last? I want to say his last loss was uh, April 1st. No, check that. April 6th against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Since then, he is 8-0 and with a 2.95 ERA and 14 starts. Uh, it is the uh, uh, longest winning streak in uh, his longest winning streak in his seven years in the league and uh, allowed five hits and just one run in those seven innings. Uh, Jake Diekman and Alex Trevino finished it up. Uh, home run by Jed Lowry. Lowry had a big game yesterday. Uh, in addition to that home run, he had uh, another hit, drove in two. And uh, so the Athletics now 46-31. and 31. And Texas uh, are, is 9-30. and 9-30 since they were 500 back on May 9th, and they have just dropped off the face of the earth. By the way, speaking of the exact opposite of that, uh, I forgot to mention this, in the Houston Astros, their winning streak, since May 30th, the Houston Astros have won 30 games and lost four. 30 and four. That's like, uh, those are like video game numbers. It's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Eddie Rosario returned to Minneapolis, the team uh, that he played for for his first six seasons and uh, broke his old team's heart. A uh, two-run single in the eighth inning and the visiting Cleveland Indians defeated the Twins yesterday 4-1. to one. Uh, what made this probably even sweeter, uh, there were runners on the corners and one out. Rocco Baldelli decided to intentionally walk Jose Ramirez, who was the Indians' home run and RBI leader. Y you can kind of understand it to load the bases, although he's also a good double play candidate. So I don't know. But anyway, they figured they'd load the bases to face Rosario, and Rosario made him pay. Now, you know, I mean, Rosario, you know, it wasn't like he was uh, some schlub. He was hitting, you know, 250 coming into the day. I mean, and Ramirez, you know, again, he may be leading the team in, in homers and RBIs, but he's only a 260 hitter. So, but Baldelli after the game said he would do it every time. So, well, that's why the Minnesota Twins are 31 and 43. Uh, now 13 games out of first place. The Cleveland Indians, with the win, get to within two games of the Chicago White Sox, who were off yesterday. Cleveland's won seven of the last ten. 
So they are hanging in there. Cal Quantrill is going to get the start for the uh, uh, the Indians tonight. Quantrill's mostly been working out of the bullpen, but they've had some injuries, so he is going to get the start tonight. Randy Dobnak was supposed to start for Minnesota tonight, but he got placed on the IL with a uh, uh, a strained middle finger on his pitching hand. So that means uh, Denny uh, Colombo will be called up from AAA St. Paul to make the start in uh, his place. It is 45 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. A few minutes to go this morning before we uh, head off into the sunset for the weekend. Uh, how about Kyle Schwerber? Set a major league record yesterday. He became the first player in MLB history to homer 11 times in a 13-game span from the uh, leadoff slot. Kyle Schwarber is absolutely on fire. Went two for four yesterday. Two more home runs. He also walked once, by the way. Again, it's nice to have a leadoff hitter that can get on. 21 home runs for Kyle Schwarber this year. And uh, he helps the Nationals beat the Miami Marlins yesterday by a final of 7-3. to three. The Washington Nationals have gotten themselves back to the 500 mark. They are now in second place in the NL East, a team that looked like they were dead and buried. They've won five in a row, nine of the last ten, and they are now breathing down the Mets' necks. And right after, you know, right behind them, you have the Phillies, who are five back. You have Atlanta, who's five and a half back. And you can't, you still can't count Miami out, although you know they're probably in big trouble back uh, by nine and a half games. But boy, those Washington Nationals get a great performance yesterday by Joe Ross, something that they desperately needed. They've been using that bullpen way too much lately. Ross was seven shutout innings yesterday. He struck out eight. He walked two, picked up his fourth win of the season. Uh, so that was a big one for them. John Lester will take the hill tonight for Washington. He is one and two with a three nine six ERA, and the Marlins will send out uh, Pablo Lopez, who has a 3-4 and four record, but he's got a very good ERA, 2.86. His last time out, he pitched seven shutout innings uh, against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday uh, snapped a nine-game losing streak by beating the St. Louis Cardinals 8-2. to uh, Brian Reynolds, a three-run homer uh, for the Pirates yesterday. He actually had three hits in the game, three for four, drove in four runs uh, as they got to Carlos Martinez, who continues to struggle. He falls to 3-9 and nine with an ERA of uh, almost 7. Uh, Chad Cool. Picked up his second win of the season. Six innings, just three hits and one run uh, in that time. So uh, a, a, finally the Pirates get back in the winning column. Uh, the Atlanta Braves lose again. Cincinnati Reds beat them 5-3 to three, um, behind uh, uh, Santillian. Rookie comes out in his Major League debut. Six innings, three hits, one run. Uh, actually, it wasn't his Major League debut. I should say it was a Major League appearance, or first start. And uh, six innings, three hits, and one run. Uh, Brad Brock, remember him? He uh, pitched for the uh, Baltimore Orioles for a long time. Kind of fell off the face of the earth the last couple of years. Hasn't been very good. Well, he picked up his first save of the season. He has pitched pretty well for Cincinnati this year. Uh, Chavez takes the loss. The Braves kind of used a bullpen game yesterday. Uh, Chavez pitched the first two and a third. And 
five other pitchers finished up, but uh, they could not get much going offensively, and Cincinnati wins this by a final of 5-3. to three. Uh, A couple other notes. I watched the tail end of this last night after the Red Sox game was over. I watched the end of the third period in the overtime. The Montreal Canadiens are headed to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time in 28 years. Uh, Arturi uh, uh, Lekkonen's goal, 139 into the overtime period, uh, gives them a 3-2 win over the Vegas Knights. They win the series and uh, four games to two. And this Montreal team had the worst record of any team going into the NHL playoffs. They were not expected to last very long. In fact, in their first-round series, they fell behind the Toronto Maple Leafs three games to one. Well, guess what? Since then, they are 11-2. and two. The, So, I mean, look, the, nobody is any hotter than this team right now. They will face the winner of Game 7 between the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That game is tonight down in Tampa. I fully expect Tampa to win that game. But the way things have been going this year, <laughs> the Islanders will probably win it. You know, the only thing I worry about for the NHL's sake is that a uh, Canadian Islander Stanley Cup final ain't exactly sexy. But, you know, maybe uh, the last the, the, the one story you would have if the Islanders win is it's their last year in the Nassau Coliseum, their old building, you know, send the grand old lady out in the right, uh, in the grand fashion. So uh, we'll see. But uh, so game seven for that one is tonight. But uh, the Montreal Canadiens making their 35th appearance in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's the most ever in the NHL. But as I said, it's the first time in 28 years. And look, teams from Canada actually haven't fared very well lately. Uh, they are just the sixth Canadian-based team to reach the Stanley Cup Finals since 1994. The last one to get to the Finals was Vancouver 10 years ago back in 2011 when they lost to the Boston Bruins in seven games. So, uh, look, I know that hockey is Canada's national game, uh, but the Canadian-based teams have not had a lot of success of late. So uh, from that standpoint, I guess it's good to see the Canadians uh, back in the finals. Uh, NBA last night, the Los Angeles Clippers pick up a, well, it was a must win. There's no question about it. They beat the Phoenix Suns last night, 106-92. to Paul George, 27 points. Clippers with a huge third quarter. Uh, Chris Paul came back and played for the Suns last night, but it wasn't enough. Uh, he had missed the first two games in the series because he had been sidelined because of the health and safety pro- protocols around the coronavirus uh, and uh, he looked a little rusty. Shot just 5 for 19 from the field last night. Game 4 is Saturday at the Staples Center. Phoenix leads this series two games to one, and again, you know, the, the Clippers have come back from a couple of games down twice already in these playoffs, so uh, I would not uh, count them out tonight. Uh, and a hiring in the NBA. Rick Carlisle has been named the head coach for the Indiana Pacers uh, but And for the second time, by the way, uh, he coached the Pacers a, a number of years ago. Uh, and uh, he's a bit of a micromanager. He is a bit of a hothead. But he is also a guy that has 836 career victories uh, as a head coach in the NBA with the Pacers, the Pistons, and the Dallas Mavericks. Um, 
he led Dallas to its only NBA championship back in uh, 2011. So it's a guy that knows how to coach. It's just a question of how he's going to fit in Indiana. And look, the, the Pacers got to be hoping they finally got the right guy. Carlisle is the third Pacers coach in the last 12 months. They fired Nate McMillan uh, in August of last year after they uh, they lost in the first round of the playoffs for the fourth straight year. And then right after that, his replacement, Nick uh, uh, Bjorkren, lasted just one year. It was his first NBA coaching job. He lasted a year. So Rick Carlisle is the third coach in a year in Indiana. So hopefully uh, uh, they're able to figure it out. But uh, good for Rick Carlisle, 61 years old, getting another shot as a head coach in the NBA. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Chris Christopherson. He had a birthday a couple of days ago. Uh, one of my favorite uh, favorite artists. He's a great songwriter. He has written some of the iconic songs uh, in country music. I mean, uh, he uh, and in rock music, he, he wrote, uh, you know, uh, Me and Bobby McGee that was made a huge hit by uh, uh, Janis Joplin. Uh, Help me make it through the night. So many huge songs. And uh, this is one that he penned for himself. It's called To Beat the Devil. Uh, Happy 85th birthday, Chris Christopherson. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.